0: I was on vacation uh, in the Northeast with our Eastern families. We have uh, uh, two families back East, one in uh, New Hampshire and one in New York, and we hadn't had uh, Christmas with them in a long time, so we flew out this year to have Christmas with them, Diane and I, and we all had a great time. But it was during that time that Eric sent me a text and he said, hey, how would you like to uh, teach for me this weekend? You know, and my first thought was, oh, retirement. (laughs) Then my second thought was, hey, can I preach and teach on Revelation 19, knowing that's where he should be at? And and, and the answer came back, no. (laughs) But he said, uh, you know, just share what the Lord has laid on your heart. And so after praying much and after seeking our Lord, Uh, the Lord led me to a great passage of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 40. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. You know, after the two years that we've all been through and the reality of what we've been through and all that our country is going through and all that the world is going through, the Lord uh, just placed on my heart that it would be a good time to remind me as well as all of us that our God is a great God. You know, he is still in control. And that he has and desires, he has prepared for us to have this wonderful relationship in him in a wonderful way. And we have just come through the Christmas season and we, we celebrate that, we enjoy that and uh, we celebrate the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so I'm sure that uh, Eric reminded you of that and just how gracious and merciful our god is and how much he loves us you know through that all and and the wonder of that and the wonder of our great god i would like to compare a couple of things you know last time queen elizabeth visited the united states for a few weeks uh, she came And I I want you to know that our media went into a media frenzy, wanting pictures of every event that she went to and and everything else. But she came with 4,000 pounds of luggage. She chose to bring two outfits for every single event that she would be invited to and that she knew was on the itinerary. She also brought 10 outfits for mourning, just in case somebody died, that she might have that choice to do that. She brought 40 pints of her own plasma in case she got sick, rather than relying on what was here. She even went so far as she brought white kid leather toilet seats for everywhere she went. Now compare that to how the Lord Jesus Christ came. You see, in, the, in my heart, in my imagination, I could see Joseph mucking out a stall for the birth of the Savior of the world. Mary already knew that that baby, that wonderful, wonderful baby she was carrying was her Lord. And there they are because there's no place for them anywhere else and that they were walking in shame even though they were being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ walking in shame by the Lord's by walking in shame according to the world there in the smell and if you've never been in a barn i invite you to think about that ladies who have had a baby how would you like to do a, your first birth there? Uh, wasn't a sterile place. And the only place where our Savior could lay his head as a child wrapped in swaddling coat was in a feed trough. I mean, that's where animals ate. And I don't know about you, but having been around cows and other animals, man, they drool a lot while they eat. And I could just see Joseph quickly trying to rub out a place and make it as clean as possible for a place. I see our Savior being nursed in a barn, in a stable. 100% God, 100% man. King of kings, Lord of lords. His entry far, far different than Queen Elizabeth and Queen Elizabeth's visit cost over 20 million dollars and Christ came because of the graciousness, the mercy and the love of God to die on a cross to suffer our sin and shame there on the cross so that we could have this magnificent relationship with him And I just want to remind us today, we worship a great God who loves us very much. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, as we jump into the scriptures this morning, Lord, we ask your blessing. We ask that you would just guide and direct in a wonderful, powerful way. Lord, that we would see your handprint all through this beautiful chapter of Isaiah forty. Lord, that we could see you as magnificent and awesome as you are. and Father, how I pray that our hearts would be open to your living word and the power of your spirit this day. I pray that your spirit would prevent any any word of truth being snatched from any heart here in this place or those who are watching and listening online. Father, that you would be magnified and glorified through it all. And that our hearts would be open to what you have for us individually. And that we would make that response that you desire us to make. For it's in your Son's name, the very name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I pray. Amen. You know, the book of Isaiah is one of those wonderful books in the Old Testament. It has 66 chapters, and uh, many scholars, and I would agree with them, uh, declare that the first 39 chapters really reflect and mirror the whole Old Testament and living under the law. Now, certainly, he presents truths about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout it all, just like he started presenting Jesus Christ coming as early as Genesis 13 and so on. And then starting at uh, chapter 40 through the end is the 27 chapters, which would reflect the 27 chapters of the New Testament. He starts talking about the grace and mercy and those things that would come because of the coming Savior. And so this is the transitional chapter from that part to the new testament part to the coming of the lord and and it is a place where we can vividly see the reality that jesus christ was going to come through israel and you and i ought to look at this and be excited about who god is because right in the very beginning we see that he is the god of salvation Look at me with verse 40, chapter 40, verse 1. It says, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. You know, the last couple of years have been horrible. It's been divisive in every possible way uh, in our nation, uh, even within our homes sometimes. Uh, coronavirus has changed everything. And the reality is that in the midst of that, God still wants to comfort us. You know the first time I when the shutdown happened and I had to teach to an empty room I want you to know that was so unfulfilling. You know I'm I'm excited about live stream. I'm excited about all of those things. I'm happy for it. I celebrate God because of it because I know we can get into homes in that way but it has no comparison to being the church, the called-out church together. And I want all of us to know that He wants to comfort our hearts during these times. I have lost loved ones. I have, through tragedy and tra- you know, not just COVID, but many other issues have happened. Friends of mine have had lost jobs. You know, it has been a difficult season within. Uh, people have disagreed with me or we even within my children, you know, they have disagreed with each other about the responses too. i looking at the fact that it is still our individual decision between us and God and the reality is he wants to comfort our hearts. He is still the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort, amen? and he wants to comfort he wanted to comfort israel notice what he goes on to say in verse two speak comfort to jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended that her iniquity is pardoned she has received from the lord's hand double for all of her sins she had jumped into idolatry and and he's reminding them they are forgiven people you know I think of the song we just sang, you know, all my guilt and shame, you know, there, sin and shame, put on the cross, put on Jesus Christ so I could be set free. You move from being a beggar to royalty a royal priesthood to be a part of that's god's great compassion and love for us and guess what god is still forgiving us of our sin amen and the reality is that continues in all that god has given us look at verses three through five as we continue on the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, every crooked place shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth, The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, and the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We know that John the Baptist had that. That was his assignment, prepare the way of the Lord. And he began preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, when Jesus Christ did come, and when he started his earthly ministry, and when he began gathering the twelve, he said, come on. I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. You know why? Because they need to repent for the kingdom of God is coming, is here. You know, and they did that faithfully. And we see that throughout scripture and the wonder of being the herald. And I want us to know today, church, the Lord is coming again. You know, if you have been here and present listening to and, and watching the reality of the book of Revelation, you and I cannot deny that Jesus Christ is coming back. Just yesterday, uh, when I was home in between here talking with the ladies and, and coming in for the evening service, uh, my wife showed me a t-shirt and the t-shirt said, normal isn't coming again, but Jesus Christ is. She loved it so much, she asked me if I wanted one. And I said, yes, she goes what color. And then she put it on Facebook, and I see that she has already had like eight shares, that people like it. Jesus Christ is coming again. And he has called the church to herald, prepare the way for the day of the Lord, because he is coming again. That's what God's called us to do. And I want us to know that it's a joy in being his ambassador here and now for this reality many of us believe that it could happen at any moment and it ought to be an exciting moment and for us to know that we would meet our savior in the air yeah i loved teaching first and second corinthians i love teaching first and second thessalonians i love teaching revelation you know why because it all pointed to this fact let's live in unity and harmony because the lord is coming again Let's be the body of Christ that magnifies him and that's what he did. He is preparing the way for the glory of the Lord to be revealed. And we know he has come and that this has come to pass. Look at verses 6 through 8. All oh, flesh and The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all loveliness is like a flower of the field. And grass withers and the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass and grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever reality is life is brief for all of us. It's that mist, that vapor in life. And yet while we're here, we're to blossom and bloom for God's glory. And the reality is you and I can set be steadfast in his living word. His word never changes, amen? And you and I can walk within that. Life is short, but his word, his promises remain. Everything about it, Becomes true. It reveals all that He is. Look what else He calls us to do. Look at verse 9. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the mountains, the high mountains of Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, uh, Behold our God. Man, God is crying out for the church, the living, the living body of Christ to do the same today. Behold our God. And you and I should not be in fear because people disagree with us. People mock us for our Christianity. People want to silence us because we say the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in public. But we should not be afraid of that. We should stand true to who our God is And be excited that God has called us. Listen, every person in this place this morning, every person listening online, you and I are alive today because God designed it that way. You know, it isn't just for Queen Esther. It is for all of us. You know, I have children and grandchildren, now great-grandchildren, and the reality is they're called for such a time as this, and so are you and I. Let's herald who he is and be excited about it, not living in fear because of what the world might think, but wanting Christ to be revealed in us. Look at verses 10 and 11. Behold, the Lord our God shall come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him, behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd, he will gather the lambs with his arm, he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Oh, the joy of it is, Jesus Christ has come, he is the good shepherd. He is our good shepherd and he loves us, and these things can take place now in our lives. Let's let his love, his sacrificial love, nurture us and carry us through so that and allow him to nurture and feed us so that he is glorified in us, knowing that his care is gentle care that he carries us in his bosom. You know, I. I I think of even the struggles of life and walking through the new season. Uh, Diane tells me that there's no way I'm going to retire, you know, and... uh graciously I'm going to be here to help in pastoral care and maybe do some teaching on the side and Bible classes and things like that and, and I just get excited about that but she says you'll never retire and maybe that's true but I want, I want to know that I have more time for her and to be with her but I don't want this to ever be vacated from my life that he is my shepherd and I know he cares for me that much you know why? Why we should have comfort in the fact that he is our great God? It is because he reigns. He reigns victorious. Look at verses 12 and following. Verse 12 declares this. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Who has measured the heaven with a span or calculated the dust of the earth? Who has weighed the mountains and the scales and the hills and the balance? And the answer to those questions is nobody. You know, he's the only one that can do that. He is creator of it all. He reigns. Look at verses 13 and 14. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or as his counselor has taught him, with whom did he take counsel? And who instructed him? Who taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? And again, the answer is no one. He is the only wise god he is creator of the universe he put it all together in a wonderful way he has created us and he provided for us the way of salvation he is still only wise god his wisdom is still relevant today the book of proverbs is life-changing the book of psalms is life encouraging all of the new testament points to the reality of who he is and the wonder of who he is he Rules and everything. Look at verses uh, 15 and following. Behold, the nations are a drop in the bucket and are counted as small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the aisles as a very little thing. Yeah, as I read that, you know, there's a lot of nations that that need to hear that that God is still in control Lebanon is not sufficient to burn nor the beast sufficient for a burn offering all nations before him are nothing and they are counted by God less than nothing and worthless you know? president biden god allowed him to be president of the united states and everybody who is in power around the world it is because god has allowed them that's why we need to pray for them and wanting god to still be magnified whether they're saved or unsaved through them in their actions to where they would see him and we know he is preparing the way for his return and we know that we know that apostasy would probably continue to build but Again, we're not to be afraid. We are still to declare who he is. No nation will ever compare to him. Look at verses 18 through 20. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman molds an image. The goldsmith overspreads it with gold. The silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is to be impoverished for such a contribution chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks for himself skillful workmen to prepare a carved image that will not totter. The bottom line is all of those idols cannot meet one person's need. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty, he yearns to meet every need in your life and my life. And we just need to go on him, go to him, you know, with a humble heart, wanting him to be lifted up. No idol will ever ever compare. It isn't money. It isn't our possessions. It is not anything else in this world. Nothing will ever compare to our great God. Look at verses 21 and following. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth that it is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers? Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Who spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted. Scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth. When he will also blow on them, they will wither And the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken to me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his merciful power and the strength of his power, not one is missing. You know, talking about the stars and to think about the billions and billions of stars, he has even named them. There is absolutely positively nothing that compares to our God. He still rules and reigns. He is sovereign in all things. You know, later in, in this past summer, uh, I, was, I hit a big issue in my personal health that wasn't COVID. Uh, something was attacking my immune system and everything else, and I got tired very, very easy. And one day in the lead pastor's meetings, the lead pastor saw that. And after a couple hours of discussion, they came to me and they said that uh, they wanted me to take a small break before Joshua came out. And I fought it. I said, no way. I I don't have time to take a break. I need to get prepared for Joshua coming out. I want to be totally prepared for him. They, They finally just insisted, Rich, you need to take some time off. And so I relented. And yet inside, I was being frustrated by it and diane knew that if i stayed in falcon that i would still be out in ellicott working i'd still be working from home i would be not listening to the elders and the lead pastors and their admonishment their desire for me and so she somehow found a real cheap airbnb i don't know how she found it you know but she did something that we could afford and so she says we're getting away for eight days and i Okay. And I love to read. So I took three books with us and uh, I was going to read and I was just going to rest and do what uh, they wanted me to. And after day two, uh, every time I got involved in a book, I began falling asleep and I couldn't read the stupid book. And it wasn't a stupid book. It was a good book and I wanted to read it. And so I'm frustrated. So I text Dr. Dan and I said what gives I can't read this is fruitless this is useless why in the world am I here and I was complaining and everything else and uh, Diane found out that uh, the Airbnb that we were at also was connected to um, a place that had pools and all of that and she goes come on I just had a knee replacement. I need to exercise my knee. Let's go. And I start, no, it's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. Kids are going to be there. I don't want to go there. And she goes, come on, I need to exercise my knee. And so finally I said, okay, I love you. Let's go. And we walk in to this place, and there's not a soul in sight. I go, what? And yet, at this point, I'm not saying thank you, Lord. And we come down to the lower level where the pool was. And it was a beautiful pool. I saw a couple of hot tubs over there. and I said, oh, yeah, okay, you go exercise. I'm going to the hot tub. And I went over to the hot tub. And Diane did a little exercising. And then she came and joined me in the hot tub. And we were just about ready to get out when a couple came. And as they were coming down in, there were two hot tubs, but one was cold. And so they had to join us. And it was a large one, so it wasn't uncomfortable in any way. And uh, so as they're coming down in, the gal goes, hey, how long are you here for? And without dropping a beat, Diane goes, well, we're here for the whole week. And I go, and he's on sabbatical. I go, "Uh uh-oh, I'm toast now. But as they settled into the hot tub, the questions came. So you must be a pastor. Yes, I am. And in the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes, I had the joy of God saving my wretched soul and Diane's and us coming together and becoming a family of God and a family of Christ. I had the joy because they began asking me about marriage, whether or not I believed in premarital counseling. Oh yeah, I believe in that. Matter of fact I won't marry anybody unless they, you know, submit to it. What are the keys for a good marriage? And we had a chance to discuss that, how Christ needs to be the center, how communication must be real and vibrant, how we need to be able to be patient with one another and forgive one another within it, you know. And they're all saying, and so would you would you do premarital counseling for somebody who has been married before? Oh, yeah. I, I would do that, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking, gosh, I wonder if they live in, in the Springs area. And when I found out, they live in the upper Denver. Uh, but yet, I got out of there, and I go, okay, Lord. You see, it is our sovereign God who takes and moves the pieces to where he wants them so that he can be glorified. I mean, I left there shouting hallelujah in my heart. To know that, okay, God, you brought this to pass for this time so that I could be a minister in a hot tub. Life is tough, you know, and to be able to do it. But that is our God. He he is beyond compare. He is sovereign. He reigns today. And you and I, if we are in Christ, we have those opportunities, those wonderful opportunities to represent him here in this world. There are open ears, open hearts. Are there closed ones? Yes, but we have this great opportunity to be able to share him in a lost, dying, broken world. Church, let's walk in that. Notice how this beautiful chapter ends because God reveals himself as a God of compassion. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord and my just claim is passed over by my God. He's saying, Israel... Wait a minute. I know you intimately, and I want you to know here today, he knows every bit of our heart. He knows every bit of our emotions. He understands us. Notice what verse 28 says Have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the world? Neither faints nor is weary. I love that truth. You know, when I first got saved and I'd mess up sin, oh, Lord, forgive me. And after about the third time that day, I would look up and say, man, you got to get tired of me, huh? And I want you to know that God never gets tired of us. His arms are always open to us, and he wants us to walk with him. I I have a mantra in my life, uh, Ellicott has heard it uh, lots of times, you know, I am not a true disciple if I say I'm saved. That's the start. I become a true disciple when I become a passionate pursuer of Jesus Christ and his word with honest commitment and consistency. And I want you to know with commitment there has to be consistency. Consistency. You and I will not have consistency in our walk with God if there is not a commitment and a passion to follow. And I yearn for myself. You know, I was asked yesterday what what my daily devotion life looks like right now and I'm going through the book of James and and, uh, just God has placed on my heart, be holy for I am holy and I know I haven't arrived and wanting to grow in that that, that place in God's eyes and I know I can only do it if I passionately pursue him. The end of verse 28 really, really captures that. He his understanding is unsearchable. He knows Rich Bailey. He knows nyan Bailey. He knows our children, our grandchildren. Inside and out, he knows our desires. He knows our needs. And sometimes they don't work together. And he just yearns for us to trust him as he pours out his life. He never gets weary. And he understands us completely. Verse 29 and following, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. And I know I experienced that this summer because the doctors did not figure out what was going on in my body uh, from the uh, end of June until October, the middle of October. And then they figured it out and they wanted me to go in the hospital. And I said, no. They said, why won't you go in the hospital? And I go, there's sick people there. You know, I don't want to catch anything if my immune system is drained and Fortunately, my doctor uh, developed a protocol for me right there at the clinic where they were at, and so over the next five weeks, uh, everything could be changed, and all my prescriptions changed so that uh, I could remain healthy, but between June and July, when I got back from my getaway and everything, he he gave the strength that I needed to finish the course to be able to meet with, with Joshua regular to lead him, to help mentor him in the pastoring. Matter of fact lord laid on my heart that i moved my my desk out literally it was just a little table out on the stage there in ellicott and i sat there in a chair and and he comes walking in and he goes what are you doing i said that office is yours now you're the pastor here i'm here to help but you're the pastor take the reins shepherd the flock that god has entrusted to you if you are truly called here jump in it right way. And he has both feet. But that is how God works. He works that way in our lives. When we think we have no strength, he gives us the strength. Dennis Bird. Now many of you have never heard that name before. He was an up and coming football player, pro football player. He was a defensive superstar for the New York Jets back when they used to be good. And, uh, in 1990s, early 1990s, and he was on course to set a record for the New York Jets on how many times he would sack the quarterback. And he was primed and lunging towards the quarterback to record another sack uh, when his teammate got knocked off balance and hit him uh, sat on the side, snapping his spinal cord. He woke up at midnight uh, at the Lenox Hospital with a halo brace and and everything out and all of his aspirations of being a Pro Bowl player and a Super Bowl player he knew were ending and his new dream in life will be, will I ever walk? Will I ever be able to hold my dear daughter? Will I ever be able to embrace my wife? And the doctors gave him a grim report and said, the chances of ever doing anything like that again are almost nil. And they stood true to their relationship in Christ, and they said, you know, nothing is impossible for our God. Well, why aren't you discouraged and disgruntled? Well, Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And so the world watched, the NFL world watched, and they listened every time he spoke. And yet he was never to walk again. And yet a year later, opening day of 1993, who stood up from his wheelchair and walked out to midfield? Dennis Byrd. And the cheering and the 75,000 people gave him a standing ovation. And true enough, that is great. But I want you to know the miracle was not that Dennis Byrd Walked again, or embraced his wife, or held his daughter again. The miracle is the devastation of losing his career did not destroy his testimony in who Christ is and his reliance upon him. You might be here today in the last two years, three years have just stunk. They've been hard. They've been difficult. And I want you to hear these truths from God's word because he is still our great God. He is our Savior. He still reigns. He is a God of compassion. The reality is that you and I here can still cast all of our care upon him because he cares for us. Amen? You and I can still still have the peace that passes all understanding because he is the God of peace. Amen? You and I can still receive the comfort of God because he remains the father of mercy and the God of all comfort in the midst of the trauma and the tragedies of human life. You and I I want us to believe and understand that there is absolutely positively nothing that can separate us from the love of God for those who are in Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the reality of how great our God is. And if you are here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, I hope you listen to the words of the songs. They are real and true. They are based upon scripture. The reality is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should never perish. Start enjoying the love of God today. Repent of your sin. Trust Jesus Christ alone. The wages of sin is death, but but the gift of God is eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today, You're living and walking in sin and not being a part of the family of God, just stiff-arming God for whatever reason. Repent. Turn away from your sin and be a part of the family of God. That's what the church is meant to be. That's why it's a joy to see people coming back from live streaming so they connect so they can see how valuable they are within the body of Christ. If you're here today and the burdens, the difficulties, the season have been overwhelming, trust him. Knowing that he will walk with you. The circumstances might not change, but he will hold you in his bosom and care for you. And if you're here today and you haven't experienced any of that and you know Christ as Savior, (laughs) herald him from the rooftops. Allow people to know that you are a child of the Most High God. Let's stand as the worship team comes and close our time in prayer. If you're one of any of those four, we have prayer teams on both sides. Come and receive prayer. Lay your burdens. Cast your care on him. Trust him as savior. Ask for the strength to not fear the world, but to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father and our God, you know all of our hearts you know exactly where we are in this life. And Lord, we pray, we plead before your throne that your spirit, and your living word would wonderfully impact each of our lives. This song is all about not being separated from you. I love Romans chapter 8. And I want us all as your body, as your church, to live there. Might you be magnified in our lives, and might you make a difference in our hearts and lives this day, and might we have a boldness to respond to your word for your glory and your glory alone. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Come and receive prayer.